listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Hey listeners, I don't usually start out an episode with a directive, but today I am. Did you happen to listen to the last episode with Dr. Monique Mitchell and Juliet Martinez? It was episode 136, and it was all about the LIGHT program, which stands for Listening and Led by Youth in the Foster Care System, Grief, Hope, and Transitions. If you did, you'll be well prepared for this one. If you didn't, there's still time to stop and go back and listen to it. But if you don't have time, here's a quick review. LIGHT is a program based on the Dougie Center's grief peer support model being implemented with youth in the foster care system. Juliet and Monique and I talked about the history of the program and how it works to address the grief that so many youth in the foster care system experience. So if you want an overview of the program, be sure to check it out. In this episode, we get to hear what it's like to be in the LIGHT program. Kevin joined me for this interview and generously shared about his experience in light and how it supported him in his grief while he was in the foster care system. We talk about how a random trip to the vending machine sparked his interest in joining, the ways he felt supported in his grief, and the power of being in community with other youth who get what you're going through and can listen without judging, evaluating, or giving unsolicited advice. Kevin, thanks so much for being part of Grief Out Loud today. Thanks for having me. Can you talk a little bit about how you learned about the LIGHT program and kind of what prompted you to decide to participate in it? Well, uh, I've really seen a flyer on a vending machine. I started to read it because I was bored. (laughs) And uh, I started looking into it and I was, you know, interested. It was like the first thing I read that was interesting on that machine. What did it say that drew you in? Really, the words light. <laughs> I was kind of weirded out of how it was spelled. It just was kind of flashy. <laughs> so the fact that it's spelled L-Y-G-H-T caught mm-hmm. your interest. Yeah. And then what do you remember about the first time you attended a light group? I remember it was kind of nervous. You know, it was a whole new thing for me. I normally didn't open up to people like that. It, it was really quiet at first, so it was very, uh, how would I say that? It was more awkward, a little bit of an uncomfortable mood in the first time, but I was a little nervous at first. So I know here at the Dougie Center, our grief groups that we run, we follow kind of the same structure each time where teens get a chance to share their name and they can share who died in their life and how that person died Then we do some kind of topic or discussion. Then there's a little bit of free time for them. And then we do a candle lighting and we share something we're looking forward to. So all components of a group where we try to create a community for people who are grieving to get to connect with one another and and know that they're not alone. Could you walk us through like what are the different parts of the the group for the light program? Oh, well, we are. 
we love to popcorn around, you know, sharing experiences um, because a lot of us, you know, had people we lost and uh, it was nice because I even got to talk to the kids that didn't say anything. They just liked hearing the group, knowing that someone else is going through a similar pain and that, that they are. And So there can be power for people who are part of these groups, even if they're not talking or sharing verbally, just hearing from other people or knowing that they're part of that community together. Very much so. You mentioned that the talking part was really helpful for you. Was there anything else specific about what would happen in the group that you found was really helpful? I found the lighting of the candles very helpful. I mean, I know it was kind of a little silly at first. (laughs) Uh, About after the third meeting, uh, I really took heart to it. Most of the time, I would always have a silent candle because that what that would really mean is, you know, we would tell um, who we're lighting the candle for and whatever. I would normally just light my candle and let it sit there and watch the flame. <laughs> and I know you were silent, you know, you weren't saying out loud who or what you were lighting it for. Would you be thinking of a particular person or was it just for like everything? It was for a specific person. Most of the time it was for my grandmother in heaven, but, you know, there was times where I was going through stuff and I just needed to light a candle for someone else. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't really feel like I had the need to tell anybody who it was, but the ones I did tell were my grandmother. Some of them I would be silenced for, but uh, the others would be my best friend who just lost her mother. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, like being part of, I think after 17 years at the Ducky Center, I've probably been part of thousands of candle lightings. And each one, you know, is so meaningful. And the combination of people who are saying things out loud and the people who are lighting that candle with a lot of reverence and silence and thinking about how many people are able, they come in and, you know, you think, I think they're coming to group for themselves, but then at the end, they're lighting a candle for the other people in their life who are also hurting and for them to have an opportunity to extend that compassion to other people who are dealing with grief. is just seems like a really powerful part of it. It's very powerful. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> and for you personally, how was light helpful when you were missing people and places and things in your life? Well, ironically, I think it was right before the light program that actually my grandmother had passed away. And that's actually a little bit what else kind of encouraged me to do it too, because I was, you know, going to get a snack from the vending machine and trying to cheer myself up with a little candy. (laughs) (laughs) What would you like to share with us about your grandmother? Who was she to you and what was she like? Uh, My grandmother was an amazing woman. I'm going to tell you that because (laughs) she lived for what? 93 years. I couldn't see an entire soul on this planet that wasn't nicer than her. And every single time I got to see her, I got to make some mashed potatoes from the <laughs> potatoes in the garden. It was kind of hard for her to do things as she was getting older and older. So instead of her going to pick the potato for me, I'd go pick the potato. 
and it was just a very special relationship we had because I never really saw her much and she just always loved me. She always had a smile on her face. I've never seen her mad. I've never seen her, you know, even raise her voice. Seems like she played a really unique role in your life as somebody who was, even if you weren't spending a lot of time with her, someone who just had that sort of consistent love and patience with you. And uh, I still love her to this day. I mean, we had this thing where we look at the moon and uh, tell her, tell each other that we love each other to the moon and back. And now every single time I look at the moon, it's just that phrase repeat on my head. <laughs> what What did you learn about grief through your time in that group that was helpful for you in kind of processing the death of your grandmother? You know, it actually made me feel like I was. I know this sounds weird, but at home, I felt like I could speak freely. I mean, I couldn't even speak freely in my own house before I was even in foster care. It it really helped me out a lot to know that others are out there and dealing with similar situations and you can talk about it. And I don't know, talking about grandmother's death was actually like relief because I remember the whole week before that, I was just bawling my my eyes out. It sounds like you found some permission to express thoughts and emotions you were having in a way that you weren't feeling in other places in your life. Yes, exactly that. (laughs) Were there other things that you got from being part of Light that you weren't getting in other groups that you were attending or other conversations you were having in your life? Uh, Most definitely. Because the people in there were people I didn't know, and it just felt more comfortable speaking with some friends and some strangers, because at the end of the day, strangers, I mean, what are they going to do with the information? (laughs) (laughs) Are there things now that you're no longer attending a light group, like things you turn to for support in your day-to-day life now? Uh, Yeah, actually. Because we used to like candles and color books while we talked and stuff. I kind of learned how to write and draw while I talked to people. Um, it's helped me out to speak to my coworkers at work or my own family who I live with. It makes it easier. And another thing is uh, I felt like the group was a little bit easier to talk to because if you're just alone in a room with one other person, just talking to them, it's kind of awkward. And But I feel like when we were in the group, everyone just spoke freely and it, it amazed me how much they actually spoke. It's interesting to think about, because I think the stereotype might be that walking into a group of people could be way more intimidating than sitting down one-on-one. But it seems like for you, that, that community actually made it feel a little bit easier or safer to open up. Mm-hmm. If you were able to teach people about what it's like to be a youth in foster care who's grieving or missing people or places or things in their lives, what would you most want people to know? It's definitely not easy. Um, I'm going to say that because there's never any constant anything. Like it's always changing. There's 
there's nothing that's the same. Like I was in foster care for three years and every day was completely different than the others. Different in terms of like where you were staying or who you were with or? Well, it was more of, because I stayed in the same place for three years and I got to see people come in and I got to see people leave. I think the hardest part is uh, watching them come in because, you know, the kids are traumatized or they don't deserve to be there. It's not their fault. It's kind of hard to watch others go through that pain. So there's not only your experience, but then being in close contact and, and watching other kids who are going through a really tough time and kind of moving in and out of the place where you are. What's something you learned about yourself in the in those three years of being in the foster care system? I learned that I'm a very strong person because in foster care is when I learned that every day is a new day. You should treat it as a new day. And I lived that phrase throughout my entire life because when I was in the children's home, it was, um, it was very frustrating that I couldn't leave anywhere, I couldn't do anything, couldn't see my family. I had to evolve in that sort of environment and uh, I had to find a way to well, live, it, live the rest of it out until I turned 18. It's an interesting idea that that concept of like every day is a new day. What does that mean on like a practical level for you when you wake up and you're like, okay, today is a whole new day. Like how does that shape the decisions you make and the ways you interact with people? I would say I went throughout an entire day and, uh, you know, I was stressed out from work. People were irritating me, whatever. I get home and once I go to sleep, I just reset. Uh, I wake up and I'm, first thing I think was, I need a drink of water. <laughs> <laughs> but the second thought would be, uh, time to get up, fresh day, get started. And it's just how it is. It's a new day and forget all the problems I've had yesterday because it's in the past. No reason to bring it into the present. I love that. So after hydrating, it's like, okay, I'm going to recommit to this day and what's going to happen next and not spend my morning ruminating about what happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's pointless to hold grudges and hold that anger or frustration uh, even if my day is ruined, I don't see no point in ruining someone else's day. So, I mean, I'll just try and make the best of it. Mm -hmm. I do. Kevin, I feel like we need to fly you out here to Portland so you could uh, teach us, and by us, I mean me, a class on how to make sure I'm starting my day thinking, how do I not ruin someone else's day <laughs> just because I had a rough <laughs> one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so from this place in your life, very different place, What's what are you most excited about? Uh, well, really, mostly I'm excited about fishing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most thing that gets my motor running these days. <laughs> I mean, I work, save, and just work. 
work, sleep, mm. and eat, and repeat. <laughs> well, Kevin, I so appreciate you taking time out of your out of your day today to talk with me and share about your experience with the Light Program. Oh, there's no problem. I enjoyed it very much. And we wish you so well with the uh, season of fishing. Oh, thank you so very much. <laughs> I'm going to be ice fishing here soon. Well, listeners out there, we appreciate you being part of our community as well and making this show possible. If you're new to our podcast, you can find all of our past episodes on our website, dougy.org forward slash grief out loud. And if you'd like to contribute to the show, because we are produced by the Dougie Center, which is a nonprofit in Portland, Oregon, there is a large blue donate now button that you can click if you'd like to help uh, the show keep making more episodes. So thanks for listening. I hope you'll join us again next time.